text for the message this morning is found in the blessed statements of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was in the mountain and he opened his mouth and he taught them. The last few weeks we've looked at some of the, the context and the first blessed statement and the second and now we're looking at the third and that's verse 5 of Matthew 5. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can see how the, the first three blessed statements are related if we place them in the context of our regular worship of God. In our worship services, we first show that we are poor in spirit by confessing our dependence on the help of the Lord at the beginning of our service. And this leads us to mourn over the sin that remains in our lives and in the world around us and to seek the comfort of the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ as we do with the reading of the Ten Commandments and the confession afterward. And the meek are those who move on from this comfort and then bring it with them into their relationship to God and to their neighbor. In the worship service, we show that we are the meek when we accept that the Bible is true and we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit through His Word in all our lives. Meekness describes how dependent, comforted Christians react when God speaks in his word or when things happen in their lives or when they meet other people no fallen person with a sinful human nature is naturally meek nor can any amount of teaching make a person meek meekness is a work of the Holy Spirit that serves as evidence that we have received the Lord Jesus as our king that we trust in him with all our hearts and in the third blessed statement the third beatitude of our Lord Jesus he promised that if you are meek then you are blessed and you will inherit the earth and I preach you this gospel under the following theme the meek will always have Christ as their king the meek imitate Christ Jesus and they inherit the earth. Although meekness is a very special, very important virtue in the Christian life, the word meek is not always, it's not easy to define with words. And it's not easy to define with words because it is a particular reaction, a way of reacting that involves both our attitudes and our actions. It's more than something you do, but it has to be with some, but it has to do with something uh, with who you are. It's more than what you do, but it has to do with who you are as a result of always humbly submitting to God and to His Word. It has to do with how that submission to God changes who you are. So meekness has to do with your attitude 
about yourself that always manifests itself in gentleness and patience and compassion without ever demanding the same from others. In fact, the meek are always quite surprised and quite thankful for any favor or kindness that is shown to them because they know in their hearts who they really are. And to understand meekness, we need more than words. We need an example who not only teaches us what is in his heart, but also displays this meekness for us in his life. And perhaps the best way of describing meekness is to look closely at Matthew 11, verses 25 to 29. Meekness is behaving like our Lord Jesus Christ behaved. Meekness is virtually the only personal quality in himself that our Lord Jesus calls attention to. When our Lord Jesus encouraged people to come to him because he is gentle and lowly in heart, like we read in Matthew 11, verse 29, he uses the same word for gentle that he does in the Beatitudes to speak about meekness. Our Lord Jesus was meek. And we can turn to his life to see the characteristics of a meek person. In Matthew 11, verses 25 to 26, our Lord Jesus reveals his meekness by thanking his heavenly Father for carrying out his will. You see that in verse 25. meek trust in God. Meekness shows itself in our submissive attitude toward the Lord and his plan. And the Lord Jesus then praises God that he was given a place in revealing his Father to the world. You see that in verse 27. When our Lord Jesus took on human flesh, he was the example of submission to the plan that his father had established. He emptied himself of the glory he had with the father, like we read about in Philippians 2. He was born in a humble manger. And later on in the Gospel of Matthew, the Holy Spirit reveals that on the, on the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem, on Palm Sunday, he came in humble and riding on a donkey. Our Lord Jesus displayed his meekness by submitting to God's word and God's will and thanking his Father with a content heart for his task in God's plan, even though it meant that he needed to be humiliated before men. In Matthew 11, verses 28 to 29, our Lord Jesus further reveals his meekness in his relationship to his neighbor. The first part, his relationship to God. The second, his relationship to his neighbor. And you see that he showed compassion as he offered rest to all who would come to him. Jesus' language is gentle. His motives are pure. And his offer is courageous. Isaiah says of our Lord Jesus, in Isaiah 42, 
He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. That is, he doesn't call attention to himself. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. The meek love their neighbor, want to share the gospel of salvation with those around them. And when we understand that Jesus had to die on a cross to fulfill that promise of rest that he was offering, when we understand that he gave his life for undeserving sinners who didn't even want his grace as a display of his meekness, then we also see that meekness is not weakness. Jesus revealed that meekness is humbly serving others in love in spite of their sins, in spite of their treatment of you, in spite of the humiliation that you might suffer as a result of your love. Our Lord Jesus was strong so that others could be weak under him in his embrace. You could picture the meekness of our Lord Jesus as being willing to, to be like that father who, who stands underneath a, a waterfall so that a little child can be safe underneath his shoulders. It's a picture of a meekness, a, a meek person. Jesus' meekness stands in contrast to the Jewish leaders who overloaded the covenant people of God with a, with a big to-do list of legalistic requirements. And you see that contrast so clearly in Matthew 11. Unlike the Pharisees, Jesus looked at God's people with compassion. He didn't want them to have to go through more and to be more crushed by the, the consequences of, of moralistic teaching. He saw the cause of their heavy burdens. And he came and he called them to himself. Well, it was because Jesus was meek that today we may know the Lord. And we may call him our Father. You see, Jesus is more than just an example to be imitated. But he was the mediator who was meek for us and in our place. He wasn't like the Pharisees who just added one more thing to the list saying, okay, now you need to be meek. But he said, I am meekness. I am the meek one. I am the king who is meek for you. And so meekness isn't just a goal that has to be reached, one more thing to do. But Jesus accomplished what he needed, what we needed. And then he brings everyone who believes in him into the reality of his work. And that's why we can be imitators. When our Lord Jesus invites the Jewish nation that was under the legalistic burdens of the self-righteous, hypocritical leaders of his day, when he invites them to find rest in him, you'll see in verse 29 that he urges the church to learn from him. That means we can be meek. We can be meek when we are in Christ Jesus. 
God's Spirit within us leads us to be Christ-like with our lives in the presence of God and in our interactions with our neighbors. And the Bible gives several examples of meek people. You could think of Abraham in his interaction with Lot. You can read about that later. You could think about Moses as he was addressed by Miriam and Aaron, and in Numbers 12, verse 3, even says that the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. You can think of David and his interactions with Saul. You can think of Paul, the Apostle Paul, in his interactions with the Corinthians and how he responded to their disparaging remarks. And so now we are eager to glorify the work of the Spirit of God within our hearts. And, and then we ask the question, so, so how is the Spirit's work of meekness visible to others in my life? Now we all can think about our own lives, our own way of reacting to God's Word, our own way of reacting to others. We ask, how is the Spirit's work of meekness evident in my life? And we look with excitement because we believe He works in our hearts. And you will first encounter the Spirit's work of meekness in your own heart, in your relationship to God. And you can see it in the way that you react to God's Word. You can see it in the way you react when he calls you through his word to do difficult things in your life for his name. The meek show their strength in their willing desire to submit to God's will, even when it means that it will make your life uncomfortable. Rather than, than shake their fist at God or ignore his clear teaching, or kind of slip away and, and turn away from the Lord when, when his word asks them to do something that they don't want to do. The meek will think of their Lord Jesus. They will thank him that they may be part of God's plan. They will, they will praise God for revealing his love to them in Jesus Christ. And aware that we humans are not entitled to anything, and that every good gift in our life is a bonus from the God who saved our souls from everlasting damnation. The meek joyfully stand on the side of their meek King, Jesus Christ, and follow Him in serving God and serving their neighbor. Meekness is also very clearly evident in your relationship to your neighbor. Again, you're still thinking of your own life. How do you react to weaknesses in other people? How do you react to criticisms or to being excluded or to disparaging remarks? Are you experiencing the blessings of meekness in your marriages? That's where meekness really shines. 
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, that those who walk in a manner worthy of the calling they received walk with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Meekness is gentleness, self-control, and selflessness all brought together in our relationships as church members. How does that meekness show itself? Well, rather than allow self-righteous pride to grow so that we have a tendency to, to look down our noses at those who are struggling with moral weakness, the Holy Spirit who leads God's children in, in meekness leads them to be humble, to be honest about their own need for Christ, and to be extremely patient. Rather than being angry at being excluded or forgotten, maybe some of the children in school, sometimes we feel that that's happening to us. We think, what is a, what is a way to respond that the Spirit leads us? And what does meekness look like? Rather than be angry at being excluded or forgotten, the meek actually begin their day being surprised that anyone talks to them at all. They realize the bonus of any kindness. And the Holy Spirit blesses also that interdependent relationship of marriage by giving husbands and wives a Christ-like meekness. And that meekness, that gentleness, that patience, that willingness to, to sacrifice yourself, it helps us to fight against the, the wicked fruits of feeling entitled. The fruits such as pride or ongoing anger or grudges over past injuries that have been confessed. You see, when you're meek, rather than refusing to budge an inch when dealing with weakness that you have perceived in others, the meek are, are team players. They're co-soldiers who, who do their share of work with joy and and receive and recognize the gifts and contributions of others. It's clear the Spirit must work a lot in our lives and in our hearts as He, he guides us into that weakness. And as He does that, He's preparing us for our inheritance. When our Lord Jesus said that the meek will inherit the earth, he would have reminded the people of God of the words that they were singing regularly in the Psalms, in Psalm 37. The Psalm 37 gives further context to Jesus' promise that the meek will inherit the earth. And from this psalm, and we read it together, we learn that the promise of this inheritance is given to people who are enduring ongoing suffering at the hands of evildoers. Psalm 37 highlights that it's not easy to be meek. 
and that bearing under the, the unkind words and actions of others, it often actually emboldens them to do even more unkind things. Meekness requires a lot of trust in God. Verse 5 talks about commitment to His ways. Other verses talk about waiting patiently for the Lord. Psalm 37 shows that one day, however, there will be a reversal of experiences. And how many times did we read it as we were reading through Psalm 37? At that time, the wicked will be cut off. You'll look for them in the land and, and you won't see them anymore. And all that will be left are the meek. In spite of all the oppression and the suffering, the meek will continue to shine like lights in the darkness for they are the generous, the peacemakers with their neighbors. The meek on the earth, according to Psalm 37, they give a foretaste of what the kingdom of heaven will be like. And Psalm 37 serves as the context for Jesus' promise in Matthew 5. The Lord Jesus says that the meek will inherit the earth. He puts it in the, in the future tense. And, and once again, we notice that in the first place, that makes it clear that meekness is the first part of a conditional phrase. What does that mean? It means that only the meek will inherit the earth. It's like Psalm 37 warned. Also, Jesus says, those who are not meek will not inherit the earth. Those who are grabby, who grab things for themselves, the selfish, the materialist, the, the self-asserting and, and the aggressive, they will not receive what Jesus is promising. And then we see in, in all this that it matters how you live your life now. And there's a connection between our final inheritance and our lives as heirs in waiting. Those who will inherit the earth already stand out from the world today. That's why it's so important to look at your life and say, how is that fruit of the spirit of meekness seen? It matters how you live your life now. And so already today you can look at the meek church. You can catch a glimpse of the kind of attitudes and the kind of desires that will prevail when Christ Jesus returns. There's a connection between us as a congregation today, Emmanuel today, and the eternal glory. The meek church gives a foretaste of the glory of the kingdom of heaven. The meek today who live in submission to God's word. The meek today who bring a positive influence on society and who bring glory to the name of God by their unwavering love of their neighbor, even when they're mistreated. They can be assured that one day the meekness of Jesus Christ will be the only attitude and the only reaction that any creature will ever know. The meek who believe that Jesus Christ is their king, who live as subjects of our Lord already now during our lives, will continue to serve under him as king when he returns. 
That's the promise of Matthew 5, verse 5. And in our society, this type of promise, it's counterintuitive. It, it, it doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to, to follow. It's actually very hard to believe. Maybe you're listening today, you're going, that doesn't make any sense. It's like saying, the more you give, the more you'll have. It, it doesn't make any sense. How can the meek gain anything in this dog-eat-dog -dog world? How can people who are unwilling to take advantage of the weaknesses of others, and how can people who don't look out for their own interests and their own advancement in the first place, how can they end up in possession of the earth? And as you think about it, some might even hesitate. They said, well, why would I give up what I gained now by my strength and by, by pushing others down? Why would I give up what I have to follow Jesus Christ into this illogical reasoning? The meek will inherit the earth. And it only makes sense if we understand that the meek don't actually gain anything by their own effort and their own work. In fact, the meek are shaped, they're defined by their trust and their dependence on God rather than doing things their own way. And that's why it works. The meek are not self-made, aggressive, assertive landowners, but they are heirs of a kingdom that was already obtained by Jesus Christ for them because they are children of God by grace, by adoption. The Lord Jesus uses the language of inheritance to remind us that all that we receive is not a salary for works, but all we received is a gift of grace that is available, that is given to everyone who just believes that Jesus Christ is King. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10 says, Those who have nothing in the eyes of the world, they really possess everything in Christ. That gives us confidence to be meek. That allows us to throw ourselves into this meekness thing with, with two feet because we know that it's all a gift given to the heirs. Because if you are meek, you are already heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And one day the earth will be yours. So what exactly do the meek receive on that great day? Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth. And then we ask, but don't the meek already have the earth? Don't you have a place to live, to work, to study, to visit, and to be buried? What does it mean to inherit the earth? The promise of inheriting the earth, it goes beyond just influencing a few people, but it actually points to a time when the meek heirs will rule the world with their King Jesus Christ forever. We confess this to be true, that we're kings in Christ. And our 
when the Apostle Paul is teaching the church to settle disputes among brothers with godly wisdom and genuine meekness, then the Holy Spirit even says that followers of Christ will one day judge the world. When our Lord Jesus Christ returns and every knee bows before his lordship, then all those who asserted themselves and shook their fists at God's word, they will be cast out. They will lose their place on the earth like we read in Psalm 37. And only the meek bridegroom will be left on earth together with his meek church. 2 Peter 3, we read that the meek who follow their meek king will inherit a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Well, these are encouraging words in our difficult moments when our sinful nature is screaming for justice, for vengeance, and for respect. When the Spirit leads us to be meek, He does not take us into an easy life of always just getting our way. But he leads us to Christ. He leads us to submission, to gentleness, to love. And yes, to the day when meekness only will make our life more blessed. For the earth will be ours and God will make his dwelling among us. My dear meek Brothers and sisters, when you keep in step with the Spirit in all meekness, you will be blessed with God's favor and you will enjoy the inheritance that Christ has obtained for the meek, the earth, forever and ever. Amen. We'll sing together hymn 36. It speaks of our inheritance it's 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 5. It's put to music. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 5, singing of our inheritance. <laughs> 